Hello and welcome to Accent of Women, a show by and about women from diverse cultures and languages right across the world. I'm Giselle Hanna. The Ecumenical Migration Centre, now a program of the Brotherhood of St Lawrence called the Multicultural Communities Team, celebrates its 60th birthday this year. Since its initial establishment in 1956, the MCT has supported women from migrant, refugee and asylum seeker backgrounds around key settlement issues – housing, English classes, community capacity building, employment and training, family counselling and mediation, leadership programs as well as financial literacy, just to name a few. To celebrate these 60 years of service, the MCT has put together a book called Opening Doors, which documents some of the path-breaking work to support women from migrant and refugee backgrounds. Joining me on today's program are Halima Mohammed, a leader in the Somali community and one of the MCT's program participants. Serena Greco is a former team leader from 1997 to 2005 and the current team leader, Hutch Hussein. So starting this discussion today, Hutch Hussein. It really started when there were a lot of young men arriving um, post-World War II in the 1950s. Hungarian um, Revolution, Eastern Europe, a lot of Jewish young refugees arriving. And then as it became um, apparent in terms of people from uh, Greece and former Yugoslavs started arriving, um, and it really grew out of the church movement, and it really it was around a community response. And a gentleman called Eric Richards came and spoke to the North Baldwin Presbyterian Church and talked about the plight of these new arrivals, which really had no family here and nowhere to go. And David Cox was in the audience, and he's the founder of the Ecumenical Migration Centre, which started off as a European-Australian Christian Fellowship in 1956. And he was really struck by the fact that these were young men just like him, but they had had harrowing experiences and were really left without support. And they had so much that they could give to that. And so he marshaled a lot of volunteers and that's really been the hallmark of EMC's work, that it's been, you know, driven by a complement of uh, paid staff as well as volunteers. And so for the first eight years, it was purely volunteer staff um, supported, um, you know, people like David Cox had their accommodation funded by the Brotherhood of St Lawrence and other parts of um, the broader church movement to really support um, their work. And it was really around providing family outings in, in recognition of the social isolation, linking people to employment or linking people into social services or English classes, mental health services in particular, given the experiences people had experienced in civil war. And you're right, Giselle, it has an extraordinary history because the Ecumenical Migration Centre, we think, is the oldest continuing non-English speaking migrant uh, settlement service in Australia. And so it uh, has always been a very small team, harnessing huge community parish volunteer um, support to bring that um, circle of support around new arrivals. And what in inspiring me was the way that the AMC, our Brotherhood of St. Lawrence, are managing to and in the inclusion of the people because as you know the people who have refugee backgrounds they need lots of supporters and if they don't get that 
it will be something that creates our community in big chaos because we need to have more understanding about the system and how it works. And this, in this case, before when they, this work started, maybe it was so easy for to collect the refugee people and, 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 and the people who migrated other countries. These days it happened so many pressure with these refugee background people and they have lots of pressure with uh, really not all the community. The community in Australia, they, I feel they're so beautiful and they are really in, in inclusive and they like to welcome people, but there are a minority people who sees that these people are really dangerous to come to, to, to the community. And that sometimes hurts you. So that's why I come and step in and I decided to support our community to understand the um, positive side of our community and to reduce that negativity which is coming the narrow-minded people really, the, the people who, who sees uh, little and, and, and problem about the people who are migrating to the other countries and coming here. So, and they, the, the AMC or Brotherhood of St. are doing great job which I really, really it impressed me till we get, you know, getting a guidance that guides you the best way that you can use your skills within the community. So I'm so proud of doing this uh, job that I'm doing with the Brother of St. Laurent, really. Well, let's look specifically at the programs that are uh, that are offered through EMC, and perhaps some of them aren't available today that once were. And of course, you've already spoken um, about the emphasis in the early days being on men and migration, and we know that that focus has shifted. So let's look at some of those programs over the years. And of course, Halima, I know that you're particularly working or, or started an organisation called Skilling Employment and Aid Enterprises Australia. So we'll look at that specifically too. Um, so uh, why don't we kick off with maybe English classes, some really basic tangible skill development that was so important. One of the things we profile in the Opening Doors book, which we've public, um, published to celebrate and mark this important occasion and it's available on our website, um, is a specific focus on what was the key um, challenges for women and one of them um, which we uncovered in the 1980s was when English classes were developed and you know that we take it for granted now but it was really only um, something that came up in the late 70s and early 80s but it was predominantly based on the written word and one of the things that we piloted with um, Ames was an English class in Flemington Springvale that was predominantly delivered verbally in really acknowledgement of the, the fact that women weren't necessarily literate in their own language um, and also that re they really struggled um, given their low literacy levels. And so that has now influenced mainstream English class delivery, that it is um, a combination of verbal and written, but it wasn't in those days. And so that was a really key example of the way um, EMC had seen something that wasn't working um, and went, let's try to do something differently and really influence the way mainstream services deliver them. Another example was female genital mutilation was a really big key 
issue um, in a number of African communities, Muslim communities, and women came to us and said, we need to talk about this openly within our community, um, but we also need, um, and you know, people were mistaking the concept as one of religion when really it was one of culture and they knew that, that they needed to, um, we, we, knew, we knew that women needed to drive this and so we provided the resources and support and employed women in a community education capacity to really lead this project. And they indicated that they really needed um, the male voices in that from the religion to both doctors as well as uh, imams, etc., to come and say, this is not a practice of the Islam religion. This is a cultural practice particular to certain communities and, and villages, and this is something um, that is not a requirement of Islam. And so that really um, brought everyone into the conversation and really made sure that people were aware of the dangers and made that in an informed way. So it wasn't around that you shouldn't, it was around making sure that you're fully informed about all the implications of FGM to make sure that you can make that, that decision for yourself. And that was a, another key project that was happening in the community and government was more about legislating around it and uh, we were, you know, obviously recognising that's one part of it, but another part of it is community education because people are experiencing this on the ground in their own communities. So, of course, the issues that affected women migrants and refugees, um, Giselle, were obviously poverty, um, as new arrivals to a country, housing and employment, but also family relationships where in that settlement process, family relationships were often at risk as two adults in a relationship were uh, um, making that settlement journey in their own specific ways and settling at different rates. We had issues of family violence as well as family breakdown and relationships with children who, of course, were leaping ahead in their settlement their acculturation and their knowledge of English. Um, so MC was uh, very much involved in those grassroots kind of welfare, family counselling, family mediation, um, employment and so on. But it tried to test approaches, it tried to document them so that it could then say, well, if you do this, it works, and then trying to shape the mainstream service system to incorporate those new approaches. So an example would be uh, with family counselling and family mediation that the mainstream Anglo style didn't really suit migrant groups but neither did it suit a huge range of Australians who would never go near talking cures. And so the work with the family mediation team that had a group of mediators trained up who spoke different languages and knew different um, cultural practices was able to develop up much more creative ways of addressing family issues and um, uh, reconciliation and so on, which then became integrated into the mainstream system. And this, of course, is multiculturalism at its best, where you develop up a way of teaching English as a, as a second language for migrants or uh, migrant children that then enhances the way everybody takes on literacy and, um, um, and learning through English. And um, some of AMC's programs had a great impact on the service system. I'm really too, um, very happy to talk about the um, the program that I'm doing or the project is that I'm doing through my uh, newly and, and created organization. The cause was really um, the help that I get from the EMC. 
and I got mentor before I created in this in, 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 in organization and I have to mention Jennifer my mentor she was great very comfortable person trying to really sometimes where I don't I feel that I cannot do that pushing me that saying yes you can and I we created this organization and through that programs and the support that I got from the EMC and allowed me to create a group and of sewing projects. The sewing program was not the aim of my and the objectives of my and, and vision. It was to bring women together. So you can find out who want to help about the language, who want to help to get skilled, who have problems or something like that. And within a, a, a year, we get 51 women and coming together in that sewing program. What we find and found I find out was they need to improve their English to get skilled or to go to the in in in, in higher education or to in, to do further education. So we I connected because that's what the way that uh, the system works. I get in connected with the other in in. in communicated with other organizations who can support us too. So our now we have our own English class in our center, the group, within the group. And they, their sewing improved more. When I find out their sewing is a level that they can really, really create an enterprise. And I step in to go to RMIT, ask to help us to get a recognition certificate. Now we started our own class in our own center, African Australian Community Center, which we are in, in 14 women are learning to the in level three certificate of in clothing production. And that what I'm feeling is it will create more inclusion, it will create more skills, it will bring women together and the grassroots, every single in, in, in group, it's not only Somali, I'm from my background Somali, Somalian, but it's not only Somali, it's African community. They're coming together and sharing their idea and talking to each other and you know that gives me and that there is a lot we need to do within our community. Yeah, yesterday we have been in, in, in Maker's Market and we were selling our products. And also we tried to get other shops to sell our product, which the women are really satisfied. And some of them, they already having lots of different in, 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 in courses like leadership course, which now some of them are doing. In, in, in administrational and with the help of also in Hub Foundation, administrational and, and stuff which the women are now learning about the and, and how to apply funding, small fundings and like that. So it is great and to have an understanding about the grassroots and that's where the EMC find out that they have lots to do in the grassroots. 
It's your example and your experience with the EMC is such a testament to why organisations like that need to exist. It sounds to me like if you didn't have a structure or an organisation like EMC to have supported you in those early days of this program, it might not have taken off, it might not have succeeded. Absolutely no. Because I was not confident to have my own organisation and do what I'm doing now without having support, giving me that, you know, Halima, you can do this. And I have lots of experiences back in, in back in my country about working with the community. But here you can find so many uh, in, in laws and regulations which is, you know, overlapping loving and you don't you don't know which way is the best to follow or something like that. So what I find out is we can uh, create and with your culture and what you have and your beliefs, you can create a, 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 a platform which you can develop your idea and you can emphasize what you have. And there are lots of women who have practical stuff and they can do their hands, handmade things, or they can create something. But most of them, they hesitate that they believe they do not fit in that area. But what I find out is this is the best way when you get a guidance and, you know, someone who says this support is for you and, and nurturing you and, and giving you opportunity to even speak out and say, you know, this is the way that we wanted to do things. That's very important for, for the grassroots communities. And the, the job they are doing really, I I. It admi- I admire their, their job and I like to continue what that, that legacy to, to show that every person can do what I did. And yet an organisation like EMC, um, being a community organisation, has gone through the same kind of pressures that other organisations have gone through. In the 90s, Jeff Kennett had a, an absolute agenda of breaking the community sector. How is it that EMC got through that? Well, in fact, those Kennett years decimated the sector's capacity to offer community development. And although the EMC was not funded, uh, did not have core funded from funding from government, it was always independent of government, the um, lack of appetite and the, um, uh, the fact that you could not get community development work funded meant that there were real questions about its viability, its financial sustainability, to the point that the board uh, had decided to appoint a manager after a period of not having a paid leadership role uh, to either close it down, to say, well, it's done its work. Um, There are migrant resource centres in every region around Australia. The community um, sector, the the ethnic communities themselves have their own organisations. Perhaps the time for EMC's work has come to a close. Or to say, well, what does it need to be in this next period? And um, it was at that time that I came into um, the EMC as the CEO to look at uh, the way forward. And we'd always had a very strong relationship with the Brotherhood of St. Lawrence, which at the time was feeling that although it worked quite a lot with migrant and refugee groups in its services, 
it felt that it was quite Anglo in its face to the world and it wanted more diversity, more specialisation in this area to interact with its research, advocacy, policy and services. And so that's when the union with the Brotherhood um, was affected uh, to bring issues related to refugees and migrants onto the main stage to bring them into um, daily interaction with the broader issues of poverty and social exclusion um, and to have the benefit of the Brotherhood's uh, resources around research and policy, uh, but also to bring that specialisation across the life transitions that the Brotherhood was working in. And to uh, commemorate the 60 years of the existence of this organisation, you've compiled a book telling the story of the organisation. Tell me about the process of putting that together. And of course, if listeners want to get a copy, how can they do that? Sure. Um, It was a great trip down memory memory lane and um, an absolute privilege for someone in my position to be able to get in contact with the founder, David Cox, and also a number of people that we interviewed um, who'd been a particular part of EMC's history. So I had two social work students um, on my team, Angie and um, Matt, who um, who helped me do all the research and interviews with a number of these people. And we combed through old annual reports and newsletters and really pulled together some amazing facts like, you know, the fact that, you know, in 1991, there weren't many women interpreters. And so that was something that women who were going to doctors around sexual health really struggled with and often didn't attend. So that was a, a key, coming across that key kind of project was um, amazing to kind of find out that EMC had always had this pioneering spirit. Um, and so we took um, all these kind of key factors and tried to do justice as um, you struggle with in terms of putting 60 years together. Um, to kind of put it into a book form um, that people could read through the ages and really remember that there wasn't the services we have now and and it really took uh, the determination and persistence of a lot of people, um, sometimes in a voluntary capacity over the years, to come together and really make sure that there was support for people at different, you know, through all the different waves of migration, um, you know, whether it's been the, the Europeans, whether it's been the Vietnamese, whether it's been the Lebanese, you know, all different communities that have come through um, the Victorian community and, and, and EMC has been really at the forefront of that. Um, so we really wanted to document that history and try to do justice to capturing that. And so um, it's available on the Brotherhood of St Lawrence's website, um, which is www. B for Brotherhood, S for Saint, L for Lawrence, .org.au and forward slash MCT um, for Multicultural Communities Team. Um, And we hope people will take the opportunity. We've had some lovely feedback from former staff who've read it and has brought up some lovely memories from them. Um, But also people who've recently migrated. It's been great for them to read it and realise that they knew certain people and didn't realise that that was another part of their lives or... Um, we're really humbled by the fact that there has been this support in the community um, for such a long time. Well, Giselle, working at the EMC was never just a job for me or for many, many of the people who worked there. It was really a passion because every day you just wouldn't know who it would be that would sit at the table with you sharing your lunch, whether it would be somebody like Halima who knew so much about her community and their needs and something, some ideas would spring up or some new knowledge would come to the fore. It was just a really exciting journey to be on uh, being part of that EMC legacy and story. 
putting this publication together has made me realise what a privilege it is and how we are custodians um, of our predecessors who've gone to great lengths to make sure that there is a voice um, for migrant communities and there's support for migrant communities. And, you know, in the 60 years, we've predominantly been in the city and we've now moved out um, to Epping in recognition of the fact that there aren't many newly arrived communities in this area. And so um, we've taken this opportunity on our 60th year to, to really move the times and move with the communities. Um, and I think that's just another example of how we've tried to maintain our connection to the community. The AMC helping people a lot and they need it because it, this uh, community work never finishes. It is going. It is going. We need to have such uh, programs or uh, stepping stones to to go ahead because the people, the the community, the grassroots are learning more, and they need that kind of nurturing. They need that kind of guidance, so they will not be lost. And the other thing we I wanted to mention here is through this project we created a Kensington Primary School canteen project which. African women are taking part and doing the, their canteen now. And what we find out, connecting with the mainstream community is great. And without, without the, 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 this kind of pro, pro, projects or programs, no one can find out or no one can easily get that point. So I'm so happy to really, really encourage in, in, in the, the in big bodies to recognize the hard work that the MC did in the past and still the community needs, the grassroots community needs that kind of guidance. Happy birthday for the 60 years anniversary. That was Halima Mohammed concluding that discussion. And the other voices you heard there were Hutch Hussein, the current manager of the Multicultural Communities Team, and Serena Greco, the former team leader from 1997 to 2005. And that's all we have time for on today's program of Accent of Women. Accent of Women is produced in the Melbourne studios of Community Radio 3CR with the financial assistance of the Community Broadcasting Foundation. The show is distributed nationally via the Community Radio Network with special thanks to the Community Broadcasting Association of Australia. If you want to get in touch with the producers of the show, you can write to accentofwomen at gmail.com. You can also follow us on Twitter or like our page on Facebook. If you want to hear this show again or any of our previous programs, you can download the podcast from 3CR's website. That's 3cr.org.au and that's the digit 3, not spelt out in letters. Go to the Accent of Women page and follow the links to this week's show. Thanks for tuning in. I'm Giselle Hanna and I look forward to your company again next week.